RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And and even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Sliding the dms if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel it's force fetch baby it's the number one question we get asked you don't know how to fix it let me help you let me get you to your goals we built a course bunch of videos i think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully the link's in the description be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles. We've got a great episode ahead. It's going to be a little bit different this time, so I want you guys, the listeners, to help us, okay? So I want the DMs to get blown up on Instagram, at Lone Duck, and I want to get your feedback. Did you enjoy it? Did you learn something? Did you take something away? It's going to be a little different, but I'm I'm like level 10 excited for it so without further ado the old big old shout out to yukanuba baby the food that fuels our dogs they're fueled up nutrition is probably number one number two is actually putting in the work so making sure that you're fueling your dogs and they're putting in all that effort athleticism and you know, energy out, we've got to put energy back in. So get the good nutrition for the dogs. Think about it. You can uba, baby. Now, Dogtra, the e-collar, right? They're the company we've supported for the last 10 years. Um, and I they sent us a hat. And it says, make every dog exceptional. And it's kind of like my new little motto. Whether the dog is exceptional and we need to make him better, or the dog is and we need to bring it to its full potential, make every dog exceptional with Dogtra. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. Hashtag it, search it, love it, live it. Gunner Kennels is going to protect your dog rolling down the road. We all drive. I just got back from a hunt test. I put a 1,000 miles on my truck over the weekend, and 
when the dogs are in a gunner kennel, I feel comfortable because anything can happen. And in, in the event of that, you know they're going to be safe. Traeger Grills, smoke them if you got them, baby. We all know uh, Kevin loves smoking that meat. So if you like smoking meat too, check out Traeger Grills. They're a big supporter of the outdoor industry and guys and gals like us and the dog people. So smoke them if you got them, Traeger Grills. And lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This is the group of people that hook us up with the analytics you know, you guys all listened to last week's episode and heard we were number 30 in Canada for outdoor stuff. And like, I don't know, we were in Iceland. 62 uh, today in America. 62? Well, we're getting there. In the wilderness area. Oh, say can you see, baby. America. It must have been an accident. Come on. So anyway, it must have been an accident. So anyways, Waypoint Outdoor Collective hooks us up. But they also have a ton of great podcasts in the outdoor niche. So if you're into fly fishing, there's something for you. If you're into saltwater fishing, something for you. Deer hunting, something for you. So check them out on Instagram, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. And now, without further ado, like I said in the beginning of this show, whether you skipped 30 seconds and skipped our ads, you can go ahead and suck it. But if you didn't, in the beginning of our episode, I talked about this episode being a tad bit different. Our guest tonight is a really, really good friend of mine, a person I look up to in a lot of ways, and we're going to get into that in our episode. Leadership, integrity, character, um, team building, ethics, morals, an all-around good dude. He is a friend first, then he turned into my college rugby coach, and now he's back to full-blown friend. And I want to introduce you all to Clarence Picard from St. Bonaventure University. Clarence, my friend, take it away. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, bud. Bob, thanks so, so much for having me. Uh, really appreciate that introduction. Um you know, what What more can I say than that? But uh, I've been coaching 15 years, learned a lot of hard lessons during that time. I know we've had a lot of good conversations about just the different challenges you face running a team as compared to uh, building a business, you know, creating your brand, even down to coaching up dogs, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, obviously I'm working with people and you're working with canines, but you know, the way you push the dogs in a developed championship contest, uh, you know, dogs, it's been really remarkable and, you know, really impressed with how you've grown the Lone Duck um, name, you know, first starting off just mainly as a t-shirt company more than anything. But, you know, now you're really, I'd say front and center, top 30 in Canada at the very least, <laughs> you know. You're breeding dogs, you're training dogs, you're, you know, helping people out, obedience. So I think that is a testament. Um, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but just for the listeners, I coached Bob uh, where he was the captain of the St. Bonaventure University men's rugby team and really one of the driving forces behind our, well, behind the early success during my coaching tenure. Um, and he captained the team to a couple, couple championships and helped us elevate up to the D1 level. So. You know, that always left a big impact on me. 
Um, and then, you know, just over the last, how long, how long have you been out of school, Bob? 10 years? 2009. So All right. So 11, 11 years, yeah. 11 years, we've just been really good friends and we've gone on a lot of adventures together and, uh, you know, we've, we're, uh, we're part of, uh, one of the top upstate New York dance troops, Believe the Hype, which I don't know if you ever mentioned on the show, but obviously a big part of your life. So, um, so Clarence, I, I do want to yeah. let you know that I, I haven't mentioned it in description, but I do okay. throw out, and if people listen back throughout the episodes, I'll say stuff like, hey, believe the hype, or okay. you got to believe the hype. And I always, I, not every episode, I bet every 10 episodes, there's a mini shout out. And I, right. I it also shows that the crew doesn't listen to our podcast because nobody comments on believe uh, the hype. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so and then just to if I can wrap up there, you actually uh for the listeners, Bob inspired me and my friend Alex Broussard to start our own podcast. So, you know, if I sound really good right now, it's because I'm also a podcaster having done about <laughs> six episodes. What's your podcast so, name, Clarence? Backyard Rugby. Right now you can find us on Spotify and Twitter. At backyard underscore rugby, like we're looking name. to get out there on iTunes and YouTube um, over the next few weeks. We're doing it all, you know, just as much. We're learning on the fly, let's say, and it's been a great experience. But you know, you you gave us a ton of uh, inspiration and insight into the podcast game, so that's been really beneficial for us. And then, you know, I'm really excited to get on here. I've only done one outside of my own podcast. I've only done one other podcast before and it was kind of on a similar topic talking about leadership with my sister who does a podcast herself, Needles Eye Marketing is the name of her um, company. And yeah, so I'm just really excited to share with your listeners. I know you got a loyal uh, fan base and made a big impact on, on the industry. Oh, thanks, brother. Um, all right. So, first off, if you dig, we had a guy on two weeks ago, or one week ago. He's a fellow dog trainer, Clarence. He was in the military, and he's he's, if in his words, he was what was it, Kevin? Pontificating. Yeah, not a word that's on our podcast very often, Clarence. But he was pontific- I'm going to try to use another word that's never been used on the podcast. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to try. All right. I dig it. Yeah, see what you can come up with. My vocabulary is, uh, you know, bush, sit, stay, yeah. down. Here, here, <laughs> no. Um, but he he's like rolling with his discussion. And he's like, and that, you know, and, uh, you know, all I cared about in college was training my dog this, that, and rugby, and and I never got to dive into it with them, so I know at least one listener and post guest was a rugby player, so, you know, hopefully we've got some other guys, I know we've got some listeners in England and Ireland and, you know, Australia and Canada, yeah, there's rugby in Canada, they're, again, America's hat, top hat, um, which if you remember, Clarence, that was Tavares, uh, we went and watched USA versus Canada, Oh man, how many? That was when Believe the Hype started. We're talking, yeah, we're talking um, 2011, I want to say. 2011, 12, and 13. We went to Toronto, Kingston, Toronto in 11, 12, and 13. Yeah. And yeah, great times up there. And 
you know, I'm not much of a camper myself, but, you know, seeing you lead the way and, uh, you know, we had some good times. <laughs> yeah. We probably won't dive into the details of every adventure you and I have been on, but we can, you know, we can scratch the surface. So with that, again, let's, let's dive into it a little bit. So I want you, you know, we kind of touched on it, but tell everybody what you do at St. Bonaventure University right now. Um, and I'll maybe fill in some gaps and lead the conversation into different channels. Sure. So right now I'm the head coach of the women's rugby team at St. Bonaventure. I'm heading into my fifth year, you know, obviously with the COVID pandemic, uh, things are up in the air, but, you know, we're really excited about that. We've been working hard to just develop a good, you know, team of leaders, but, you know, you use the word integrity. We talk about that a lot. We've really lately been pushing the concept of humility um, and service leadership uh, would be a, another thing. And that really comes from, um, you know, that's a big thing in the military background. A lot of my early inspiration as a coach, um, you know, I coached UG 15, you know, 14, 13 years ago. And back then, a lot of my leadership uh, knowledge was coming from my brother, who was a Army Ranger jump master with the 18th Airborne Corps. And he taught me a ton. And then, um, so I coached the men's team for 10 years, which you were a big part of. During that time, I was just doing a variety of jobs on campus. So I've been fortunate enough to be able to really follow my dream and be a full-time coach over the last four plus years. And, you know, I've kind of talked to you about that. I know how you've been able to follow your dream and become a full-time dog trainer, which is excellent. So right now we're in, obviously in our off season, but we still just try to stay connected with the players. We do monthly Zoom chats. Um, you know, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one FaceTime calls because it is important to get everyone individual attention and so right now we're working on our fitness you talked about uh one of your sponsors how important nutrition is training is getting that energy in energy out so we're talking about that and uh like i mentioned working on my own podcast backyard rugby so just trying to make the most of this weird time um and you know keep my mind fresh talk to different people and that's why I was honestly really excited to hop on here just because it's a little different approach to the conversations I've been used to so I'm looking just to kind of talk about some good times but also hopefully spark some new thoughts absolutely so one thing I want everybody to understand is even though that he and I are gonna bust chops and talk about life and rugby and hard work and all that jazz I do want to take opportunities and use examples that Clarence has as a leader, as a coach, as a mentor, as a friend, and parlay them into our world. How can we equate human things into how we work with our dogs, how we run a business, how we treat other people? and have some life lessons in this podcast and parlay them into our training practices. So a lot of, you know, I would say a great deal, excuse me, great deal of, I mean, I, I was raised really well, very lucky. I had a great family, 
or have a great family um, that helped build character and build morals and stuff. But I would say the real world experience of being a college athlete and then becoming a leader on that team helped develop me into trying to be a leader here on a podcast and on social media and, you know, represent my wet myself in public, you know, at hunt tests and for my clients and for my dogs. So I want to take an opportunity now with that being said, and jump into Clarence's point he made a few minutes ago where he's talking with individual young women, college women, as well as team Zoom meetings. And I want to touch on how important it is to do two things, build team mentality, and then also recognize that they are individuals and working with that. So why don't you touch on why, as a coach, you think individually it's important to to touch each – I almost just said touch each girl. That's weird. I didn't mean that. I meant, I meant like, individually take a second and spend sure. time with each, you know, young woman on a, on a Zoom call or on a phone call or a text message. Talk to me about – I mean, I know – I feel like I know why, right? But Yep. But why? So leadership really starts with putting your money where your mouth is. And above all, you have to hold yourself accountable. So, you know, I can't be asking these players to work hard and sacrifice and get in great shape and, you know, put their bodies on the line. If I'm not willing to put my own time on the line, you know, put my own, really my own heart on the line and invest in them as people and really get to know what drives them. And so it's really twofold. You don't want to make it all about performance, but the fact is, if you're working hard for a reason, if you know why you're doing something, you're going to perform better. So that could relate to very specifically, I've seen you train your dogs, and some of the dogs need, you know, you just give them a quick pat, they go on their way, they do their thing, you know, all good. Others need a little more investment, and it's worth it because... Everyone, you know, every athlete is different. And, you know, I'm reluctant to compare, you know, my athletes to dogs. I don't want to go down that road. But what I mean, as the leader um, and you being the leader of the pack, essentially, do I have that right? Oh, yeah, you have to have you have to have clear communication and the players, the individuals need to know what your expectations are. So if they're just showing up, you know, to practice you know, four times a week, I, you know, I do a little pre-practice speech. We get out there, run around, you know, a couple hours, bring it back in, clap hands and we're on our way, you know, they'll, they'll learn a bit and we'll have a good fun experience. But with this being my job, it goes so much beyond the rugby aspect of it and really is about helping create successful people and me working in the, college environment you know these kids are investing heavily in the experience you know tuition is not cheap and not only tuition but time they're investing heavily effort they're investing heavily and so at the very least as a leader i need i owe it to them and it's very important for me to show that i really want to connect with them i really want to be the coach they need and again for some people 
they just need a quick check-in, you know, a little guidance here or there, but otherwise they're on, you know, cruise control in the sense that they have, you know, they have their vision, they're on track. And then others are looking for that guidance. And that may vary from the background they come from. That may vary from current experiences they're having. So, you know, if you got to help work through a tougher time, uh, you know, or get to celebrate some of the joys too. So it's not all bad stuff. It's a lot of it's good stuff. But, you know, if you're going to get that respect as a leader and if you're going to, you know, present yourself in an authority role, I think we owe it to the people in our charge and the people that we serve to set an example of this is how a leader acts. And, you know, use the word integrity. That always, I mean, geez, what a compliment to me because I think that is such an important uh, word, especially in today's day and age, you know, in social media on the, you know, news media, in politics, we see so much hypocrisy and so much contradiction. And with, especially with college age young people, specifically even college age young women, I think they need consistency and an even hand. And they need to know that if they're going to come talk to me about something, they're not going to get a drastic reaction one way or the other. They're going to get a thoughtful reaction and someone who really listened, really heard how they felt and what they had to say. And, you know, whether that took it into consideration for a change to how the teams run or, you know, how I treat them personally. Because, again, you know, some people desire that, hey, you know, strong hand, you know, get in their face. I need you to do this, this and this now. And some people really respond well to that and then other people need you know that hand up and say come on we're going to do this you know and you pull them up and you get them on the walk and you start you know you take those first five steps with them and then they get their feet under them and now someone that may have fallen through the cracks because you know we don't have time we're all business let's go let's go let's go that person who might have slipped by if they're giving that leg up for a little bit they can start to understand what we're looking for you know, the accountability we're asking for. And they could end up being one of the biggest contributors on the team or even, you know, those people end up being a really important part of your life in my experience. Um, You know, everyone loves that prodigy that shows up and is just kicking butt. But, you know, we also need late bloomers, people that have been through some challenges, but they learn, they grow. And now they're some of the most, influential people around because they know what it's like to be down and they know what it's like to have to overcome huge obstacles. So as a leader, you know, even in your case, I know we've had to talk about various types of dogs. You get like a beautifully bred, you know, championship dog with great bloodlines that is fun as heck to coach, I'm sure. But you're also going to have dogs that just need that initial obedience training. And, you know, just so they're not tugging at the leash and all that. And for that dog, that could change that dog's life. They go back home and now they're like the ideal family pet. They're well-loved. They're not getting yelled at or whatever. Um, And so, you know, when you're in that leadership position, I just think it's vital that you, if you, it starts with clear communication, everyone knows the expectations. And honestly, if they don't live up to the expectations, 
you've at least tried to establish them. So when you come back and say, hey, this wasn't what we're looking for, you, you've laid that groundwork. You know, you know, I'm not just attacking you. You know that we've been, you know, we've talked. You know what I'm looking for. I know what you're looking for. And, you know, we can get on the same page and have that tough conversation and then move past it. Clarence, you, you've mentioned uh, a, like a buzzword a couple times now, uh, and it's something I talk a lot about at work, actually, but it's servant leadership. Can you explain to everybody uh, specifically what you mean by that, please? Leadership is just a huge responsibility, I think. And, you know, you see this with young people um, where you have this desire. You know, we all want to do well. Uh, some people really desire to be the captain of the team, you know, using my example or whatever it may be. Um, and that's great. It's nice to be in charge, but the thing some people don't realize when you're in charge is that all eyes are on you and everything you do, people are putting expectations on. You know, as a coach, you'll have someone bring something up that happened their freshman year. You know, it could be five years after they graduate and they'll reference something that happened their freshman year that you didn't even think twice about. And when I hear those stories, it really impacts me to say, wow, I'm in a really serious role. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really important in these people's lives just in the sense that they expect consistency out of me, um, clear communication, calmness, uh, you know, vision for what we're trying to achieve. And so as a leader, you're serving these people. They put their faith in you to have that clear vision, to keep everyone on track, and then also to bring people back in when they've gotten a little off track. Um, and sometimes you got to use a heavy hand and sometimes, it's, you know, a gentle hand. But at the end of the day, leadership is a huge responsibility to the people in your charge. And if you are only demanding from them, but not serving them, not providing them every opportunity, every bit of experience, every bit of you know, I'd say expertise in some cases. Um, I'd say wisdom in some cases, mentorship, um, whatever it may be. And this goes from rugby, this goes to with homework. You know, I'm not helping with biology homework, but hey, if a student has a question about their Roman Civ class, you know, I feel like, hey, if I have the ability to get that and help them out, that's also falling in my job description because ultimately we're trying to get kids with a good GPA graduate good job down the line and it's my responsibility to be there for them and to serve them and i think in return you end up creating more leaders when you do that and the ultimate team is one where everyone is con contributing leadership you know yeah there's a captain who might give a speech here and there but leadership is really it comes at the lunch table. It comes at what's happening on the weekend. It comes in the classroom and how you carry yourself. You know, it comes when you're walking down the, you know, through the quad on campus and you have your team shirt on and people say, hey, that person's got their act together. You know, they held the door for me. They were polite. They, you know, respect the teacher in class. Whatever, you know, we could talk about a million things there, but, you know, it starts with the, the overall leader supporting their people and then those people becoming people who want to continue to spread that and they get excited to spread that experience and spread that uh you know i guess the 
characteristics and the quality of their organization. So I don't, I never wanted to interrupt you a second in that. I loved it. Um, but every ounce of that in my dog training brain was relaying that into how I interact with dogs. And sometimes I fall short and I've got to yeah. have the integrity and the self-reflection to look myself in the mirror and say, all right, Bob, um, this week you didn't pick that dog up this week. You didn't, mm -hmm. uh, you were more hard on that dog than that dog needed. That dog needed right. uh, friendship and fun versus cram it down their throat. Um, one of the oh go ahead no no let it rock buddy I'm one of the biggest challenges I think is walking that line and really trying to understand people. Like we can know coaching and I'm positive you are a highly knowledgeable dog trainer. Um, and you know, I love talking X's and O's about rugby and the strategy and the tactics and even how we implement the coaching and all that. But at the end of the day, understanding what someone is going through and be able to very quickly assess because we're doing this all on the fly. Let's not forget. Right. You know, this is an O, it's not an academic experience. This is the real world. And you can read a psychology book. You can read a dog training book, a coaching book. You can go to a course. But at the end of the day, you're with real people in a constantly dynamic situation. And in a lot of times with pressures going on that you don't even know about. Right. And you're left to assess the situation, make a quick judgment call, and try to, you know, make the right decision. And a phrase that... Um, was said to me a bunch as a kid. My stepdad used it a lot. And I, I was recently reminded of it is measure twice, cut once. And what I mean by that is evaluate the situation, then maybe evaluate a little bit more and really make sure you're understanding what's going on before you jump in and make that, you know, harsh judgment or harsh decision, something that you can't take back. You know, once that decision has been made, there's usually no turning back. Am I right? You know, if you scold a dog, that dog might remember it. If I yell at a player in the heat of the moment, the next time I'm trying to coach that player, they're not listening to the coaching. They're remembering how I yelled at them the last time. Absolutely. So, you know, again, as a leader, it's our responsibility to, you know, sometimes shut your mouth, listen a little bit more observe a little bit more, be still, let the moment breathe before we rush to make a decision and rush to, you know, we want to jump in there and straighten things out. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fix these people. And yeah. That part, that does play a role. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you do need to come in and say, this is who we are and we're not behaving like that. We got to straighten this out. Right. But also sometimes as a leader, am I allowed to swear? Uh, F word, probably not everything else. You're cool. Sometimes you got to eat the shit sandwich and you got to right. say, you know, you said it, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I didn't do a good enough job. That happens to me easily every day. Right. Easily. Man, I misread that situation and you kick yourself a little bit. But one of the things you learn too, is you can't beat yourself up over it. You got to get back on your feet, you know, get back on the horse as they say. And uh, just go again. And 
I think if you're, you know, if your players, your athletes, um, the people you're leading, I think if they see that humility, and I think if they see that you're willing to get that honest feedback and you're willing to own up to mistakes, I think most of the time they're willing to trust you and put their faith in your vision and, you know, follow you into battle or, you know, whatever the scenario may be. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think on that level, trying to talk dog versus human, it can be easier with humans to recognize your mistake, communicate that you made a mistake, apologize, and then show them in the future how you recognized it was a mistake and help them and you move forward. Where dogs, you, you can't do that. I do think dogs bounce back quicker, right? So a dog who came from an abusive family and was rescued and is now in a new family, they do bounce back. They do build trust quicker. They do love unconditionally and whatnot. Um, but if you consistently, and, and the key phrase I'm going to say is consistent, screw up, right? You lose your patience day after day in training. You lose your, you know, you make bad decisions in corrections or bad decisions in praise, like overpraising, and they're doing bad behaviors, but you're not addressing it, and you just keep adding value to that bad behavior, you're going to create more bad behavior, right? So I would say, Absolutely. like, maybe Clarence can dive into this on a human world, because I, I want this podcast to resonate with people human to human, right? So in a human world, if we are allowing things to slide, if we are overly accepting without consequences, we're, Clarence, what, what can happen, right? Like, oh, this is, I mean, this is very, this is a topic very close to me. And, you know, I think as a coach, if you're really self-reflective, you know, it is going to hit you like a ton of bricks multiple times, not only through your career, but really through a season, because we talk about, again, you know, holding the players accountable and, you know, we have expectations. You got to get out there and perform, you know, get the job done, win the game. But we aren't willing to have those tough conversations or, you know, we either we hear about stuff going on, you know, quote unquote behind your back or you observe certain behaviors. And, you know, it might be you're at practice and you're like, oh, I just can't worry about that right now. We, we got a big practice. We got to keep moving. Or, oh, this person has authority. I don't want to undermine their authority, um, but I don't really like what they have, they're doing or, you know, what they have to say or how they're acting. And this has happened to me constantly over the last 15 years is, you know, you'll be evaluating the season or it'll be a year later. And you'll learn something that happened or learn something that was going on and you start putting those pieces together and say, I needed to step up at this point and that's on me. And that is one of the hardest things as a coach is when you let something slide, you knew it wasn't the right thing, but you were too worried about getting results that weekend. Oh, we got a big game. I can't, you know, I can't take the time right now to straighten this out. We got to play this game tomorrow. 
Um, it's just, it is, you're walking a thin line when you do that. And at the end of the day, and this is something that, you know, I probably realized 10 times in my career, you know, every couple of years you come back to it and say, Oh, I know that I'm never going to make that mistake again. Um, is the standards we set is what everyone will rise to. And if those standards that we consistently set are, you know, negative standards or unacceptable, but we let it slide because we just have other stuff to worry about, that's what everyone's going to settle on. And it's going to be agreed that, oh, we're a team that can get away with X, Y, and Z, and coach isn't going to say anything. And if he does say something, he's hypocrite because he let so-and-so do it. So, you know, I'm not going to correct my behavior. I'm just going to call the coach a hypocrite and complain about him. And I know that's happened to me before. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that is one of the toughest things. But it is a fact that you get the best results when you set the standard for that. You know, you set your expectations and live up to them. And you be the coach you want to be. You know, if you want to run a program that operates, you know, with integrity, with humility, service leadership minded, you know, wisdom respect you have to double check that with yourself on a daily basis and say a did i operate with those values but b is my team operating with those values because let's not forget that these are still young people i'm not coaching a professional team with a bunch of adults 25 30 year olds these are still even 17 year old you know we have 17 year olds coming into college 17 18 19 20 um, you know, and even a veteran fifth year player who might be 22 is still a pretty young person right. on a relative scale. And so it's really tough as the coach to push forward that desire to have more leaders, give young people opportunities to be leaders, but also keep them in check and rein things in when they're going in a direction that you're not, um, I was going to say you're not happy with, but that's not quite it. It's that aren't reaching the expectations that you set and that aren't fulfilling your vision for the organization. And that's really what it comes down to is, you know, as the leader, you need a clear vision of where things are going. And that way you can always tell, is this getting closer to our vision or is this taking us off track of our vision? And if you can use that, but it takes you knowing what it is, if you can be clear about that, everything else does fall into place, but it's not easy. Right. So uh, having a standard and holding a standard. And I think for the dog world, that's absolutely immaculate description. So how I describe it to a lot of maybe more obedience people, clients, but the analogy for a dog would be like, Tonight, I'm exhausted. It's Friday night. We had a long week, and uh, we want to watch a movie, and we're going to let the dog sleep on the couch. Well, then tomorrow night when you have guests over, it's Saturday night, you're partying, and you got guests over, and the dog's on the couch, and now it's not okay. You created gray area. You slipped your standard on Friday night, and then you upheld your standard on Saturday night. That gray area creates inconsistency, and confusion and disappointment and overcorrection and undercorrection and confusion. And so b- both human and dog, 
in that situation, you know, a human meaning employee, student, child, uh, you know, player, whatever, they're like, well, wait a minute, dude, we cut out of practice a half hour early yesterday and it was Friday. Aren't we doing that every Friday? Or, you know, I, I don't know. The point is consistency is key. Upholding a standard and adhering to that standard is key. And setting expectations for both you and those below you, but I don't mean it in that term, but, you know, the people you're leading, right? Because actually I think I should correct myself right now. That's a crappy, shitty way of explaining by saying below you, right? Yes, ultimately we are on the same team. Exactly. Me as the head coach, I'm in a very specific, uh, prominent, I would say important role. You know, it is ultimately my job to set the vision for where we're going. But we all have equal parts to play in implementing that. Absolutely. And those people, we're all in this together. I just happen to have a role which requires a lot of decision-making, um, a lot of accountability, and it is my job. But that also comes with experience. If I, you know, I'm coaching at college, but if I was a professional coach and had a captain who had been in the game for 15 years, you know, I'm quite confident that that person is not below anyone. You know what I mean? Um, just using the rugby analogy, Richie McCaw, you know, who you're familiar with, great open side flanker, the position you played. Yeah, he took time a, World Cup champion. He captain. took a few things from my playlist, but yeah, I got you. Uh, you know, Richie McCaw is not below anyone in any circumstances. He's a man. And, you know, I'm dealing with college-age people, so it is a little different. But, you know, I do need to give them the opportunity to show what they got. You know, be their best selves. Live up, help them, you know, live up to their own expectations. Right. And if someone's a little more advanced, help them continue to push. If someone's a little more at the beginner level. You know, get them on their feet and on the path. Right. So. But what I meant by it, Clarence, oh, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what I meant no, by like good leadership isn't someone above someone or below someone. A good leader should lead the charge. And in a rugby sense, like if we're running sprints, I, the leader, am going to try and push the pace and and lead from the front, not be slacking or saying like, all right, guys, you do that over here. I got to do this over here. I've always, mm -hmm. you know, my grandpa Casey was a, uh, he's a retired Colonel in the Marines. And he always said that he'd be willing to sweep the floor with the guy that was sweeping the floor. Even as a Colonel, everybody shared responsibility. And, and if I'm going to ask you or expect you to do something, I better be willing to do the same and or more to show you that to, to a, to make that person better. Cause if they see me doing more and expecting more out of myself, then they're going to up their game to, to please me and to please themselves. But that that's where I said, you know, my point, I guess I'm trying to make is I don't like the idea of a boss 
a captain, a coach, a trainer saying, you know, they're both the people below me, right? And I'm a I'm I'm the upper management and they're the lower management, right? That mentality, no, I'm I may be the boss, but I'm also willing to pick up dog crap in the airing yard and work three extra hours because we got to get the job done and we're all in this together. And I think that's good leadership. And then in the dog world, how I would make an analogy to that is like doing one more setup. Taking that dog that needs a little more and spending a little more time with them at the end of the day or before the quote unquote the day starts, spending a few more minutes with them, even if it's like Clarence was saying, like pulling that one person aside and spending a few minutes with them, just, hey, you know, they, you as a coach may notice that they're down in the dumps. Just pulling them aside. Hey, what's up? You know, everything going okay? Well, no, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend or girlfriend and, you know, this class is really bothering me. But noticing that, caring, and then helping them through it is leadership. And same with a dog. Noticing that a dog is down in the dumps. Okay, well... I'm going to be a little, I'm not going to say decrease my standard. I'm not going to let them get away with things, but I'm going to amplify the good. I'm going to pump them up more, build their self-esteem, do things to build their self-esteem in training, to build that confidence and build that fun. And in essence, a week or two, or maybe not in essence, I don't know if that's the right word, but in theory, in a week or two, by building that self-esteem, building that confidence, taking away the things that stress that dog and add more fun, I'm going to get more effort in, in the long term out of that dog. And I think if you look at it from a, a human perspective, and Clarence, I'd like you to jump in here now, how I'm relating that to a dog, like maybe without obviously saying names, but something you could humanize that, right? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I couldn't agree more. Um, just to give a few examples, you know, we don't give many awards as a team, but one thing we do is the player of the game washes the jerseys. And right there, there's just an example of, hey, you were so awesome, you earned the honor of washing the team jerseys. <laughs> um, you know, a little, you know, it's and it's a little joke and it's kind of funny, but it you know, just as one way to say, hey, yes, it's great to perform, but we all have responsibilities to give back to the team. Dude, I love and, that. you know, doing one extra set, you know, for me, it's those one-on-one meetings. Usually those meetings would be in person and everyone during the week comes in and we talk about school and we talk about personal life and that kind of thing. We try to avoid rugby unless, you know, unless the player really wants to jump in on a rugby topic, we try to take make it academic and personal and that's where you lay the groundwork so you can say oh i can tell you're down i know you still you know you're battling with uh you know an illness in the family or you know you said uh you know boyfriend or girlfriend situation or a roommate situation and by knowing and like really trying to understand these people um you're much better able to walk that line, but it is not an easy line to walk. Right. And, you know, even me having done this for 15 years, it is tough and you want to do your best and you care so deeply. But at the end of the day, you are going to have those times where, you know, you let everyone down. But 
I think if you put that effort in to really show that you're going to go the extra mile, um, you get that effort in return. And that's what it's about is helping people feel comfortable. Again, I mentioned consistency earlier. So they're not like, don't have these wild expectations of, you know, am I going to show up today and coach is going to be flying off the handle? Am I going to show up tomorrow and he's going to be goofing and joking around and being unserious, you know, right. funny too far? Neither of those are good. Right. And you, you know me, I have a fairly happy-go-lucky personality. You know, I can have a little bit of a temper. I have red hair. but <laughs> What's left of it, bud? You know, the, as, a, as I've aged and as, as I've mellowed out a little bit, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that err on the side of the, you know, worry more about being consistent. And you can, you can always push someone a little harder the next day. You know, and again, we're talk- not talking about a, a slip in expectations. Still work hard, but hey, if they're dropping a few passes, you know, maybe something is in their something is in their head. And if we get that stigma out, you know, whatever that mental block may be, if we help remove that, they can feel free and they can perform. And I'm quite confident that would match with dog training yeah. because I know. You know, a skittish dog is one where it doesn't know what to expect from its master. And, oh, he's calling me over. Should I come over? And then you yell at him because they didn't come over fast enough. That seems like a great way to get a dog to not come back next time. Phenomenal Um, analogy. Get over here faster. How can you get over here, you dumb dog? You know, I'm positive that dog's going to disobey you the next time. And I know as a coach, you know, someone tries something they're a little nervous to do it the first time and they mess it up and if you come out guns blazing how could you miss that play come on guys what are we doing you know if that's what they're getting they're never going to play free and they're never going to express themselves and the sport of rugby is ultimately about self-expression yes there's a ton of hard work involved it's a physical you know bordering on violence for it. Obviously, we want to keep it safe for all the per- participants, but you're bashing into each other and you're trying to put people down. And within that context of the, the physicality, you're trying to play one of the most beautiful games in the world. And for our people that don't know rugby, think of the beauty of fast break basketball mixed with the potential of someone doing a wrestling style double leg takedown and dumping you on your rear end. And that's a lot of stress for an athlete to be under trying to trying to be ready for the physicality, trying to please the coach and trying to play this beautiful game. So if the, you know, if, if they're worried about getting yelled at or making mistakes, you're never going to express yourself to the fullest. And so by pushing people, but being consistent and having, you know, even handed expectations, you end up getting a team that'll play free of stress and a team that plays free of stress is a team playing well. And ultimately, you know, we are trying to win the game. And so, or at least improve. So, you know, that's got to be the goal is yes, push them forward, but know when, you know, harsh judgment is not the recipe. I think in the dog training world, the harsh punishment tends to be the quick reaction. So, and, and it's uh, it's not 
it's not right, nor is it right with people. So we're we're going to already caveat that and say it's generally rule of thumb is it's not right. There's a time and a place for it. I think we'd all agree with that with people too. There's a time and a place for it. Understanding why that person or dog did that behavior that we've got to come down on real sharp and hard with. Um, but if you do decide to use that methodology or strategy of sharp correction, it better be right. And you better, like you said, measure twice, cut once. Think about what you're doing before you do it. If it makes sense, if it's black and white and the dog understands what the infraction is and still makes that decision and you don't correct it, well, now they got away with it. And they knew better, but they did it anyways, and they got away with it. Now, next time you decide to make that correction, it's not fair. So you better be consistent. Now, one thing I want to double back on real quick, Clarence, and then I do want to jump into a couple of more other topics, I guess. But this past weekend, we ran a hunt test. And I took my client, John, and his dog, Addie, to the test with me. And they ran, it's called Senior Hunter. It's intermediate. So there's a young dog level, a medium dog level, and then your master level. And that's like, you know top dogs and she's at that intermediate level certain things are are still being developed as a a adult dog you know the requirements aren't as strict but but they're way more strict than the young dog level junior and john ran her on saturday i'm going to tell the story and equate it to maybe what we're talking about here so on saturday john ran her John, and, and I, I see where I want this to go with the people aspect, Clarence, so I'm hoping you pick up what I'm putting down. But John loves his dog to death. I mean, sleeps on the couch with him, is under his feet. You know, we kid around that when his wife wants to sit on the couch with him, that Addie will get in between him, and she goes everywhere with him. And overall... 95% of the time, she's a phenomenal dog. Great companion, all that jazz. That 5%, she is allowed to be a little disobedient. She's allowed, and I know he's going to listen to this and bust my chops, but she's allowed to get away with stuff. Whether he means to or not, she just is. So, Addie here, Addie here, Addie here, Addie here, Addie here, Addie here. All right, John, you're going to make her do it, or is she going to just stand there and look at you, right? And then Addie sit, Addie sit, Addie sit, and then she sat. Well, that's the fourth time, or maybe third if people count. I don't know, but it felt like the fourth. So she's accustomed to doing things on her own accord while still being held to a high standard, you know, because she is good. She's very good. But there is this underlying gray area that's been allowed. Okay? Now we get to the hunt test. No holds barred. You don't have an e-collar. You don't have a choke chain. You can't tell the dog no. That's a number one rule. If you tell the dog no, you're out. So the dog has to be so well conditioned to the task at hand that even without correction or much assistance from us, it's got to do what we're telling it and then do what it's been 
bred and trained to do. So Addie smokes the test, picks up the marks beautifully, runs the blind beautifully, but the other things walking to the line, coming out, we have them holding blinds where you, you know, the dog sits in there and you take the leash off and you got to walk towards the judges and the dog's supposed to be under control. Guess what? Addie's not. She's super excited. She's boisterous. She's running around. She's out of control. Boom. Points her off. Now she goes and gets the first bird. She starts getting a little loopy. She gets a little nutty. The excitement takes over. She goes and gets the second bird. All her technical work was spot on because John's been training. I mean, she knows how to watch birds fall, go get them, and she knows how to run blind. She did that fantastic. But because there's gray area in his obedience and standard that she's to uphold, they ultimately failed on Saturday, okay? Not because she couldn't do it or didn't do it. It's the other things got marked down so poorly that they had to fail her. So on Sunday, old Uncle Bob comes in and and then runs her, and I haven't touched her in a year. I haven't trained her in a year. And we did an obedience session in the hotel room. We did an obedience session in the parking lot. And we did an obedience session like at the test where we're just doing a little heel work and nothing major. But all of a sudden you see Addie's demeanor go from taking advantage to I've got a leader. He's expecting this out of me and I'm going to do it. And we passed on Sunday pretty much with flying colors because she's good. And so in a human world, this story would be the same as the college kid who, you know, screws up in class or doesn't show up to practice on time or what have you. But I, I wanted to try and take a second and I'm, I, that was pretty long winded, but accountability and upholding mm-hmm. a standard in people and dogs get you a long way consistency oh completely get you a long way and being a good leader that they respect Mm. and look up to goes a long way and i think you know john looked me and he i mean he had some choice words for addy like you son of a you know you do so good for him but not me and it's like but then we drive home and he's like it's my fault she knows she can do this with me Yep. And and that truly, in essence, is poor leadership in terms of if you allow a child, student, athlete, employee to get away with certain things and then only uphold others, mm-hmm. you're never going to get their full potential. And that's what we all strive for in dogs and well, people. I think, you know, you touched on a ton of little aspects of it, you know, a star player being allowed to, you know, show up late to practice or you know you mentioned as the captain making sure that you're busting butt when you're doing fitness and conditioning but and so I don't want to minimize that aspect of it because you're 100% correct that is at the heart of everything we're talking about but the thing that I instantly thought of as you were talking was how that not only impacts the individual player and the player coach relationship but in my situation as a you know a team sport coach how that impacts the team and one great example would be a phenomenal standout player 
being allowed to go off game plan to the detriment of the other 14 players on the team and doing it their own way, you know, maybe even saying in practice, oh, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, okay, we're going to play the team game, et cetera, et cetera. But then they go off and do their own thing, don't make the extra pass, you know, become a ball hog or fall away from the game plan, make whatever decisions. They probably aren't purposely selfish, but at their heart, they are um, not within the full respect of a team sport. And the toughest thing to do is talk to someone who, yes, individually played a phenomenal game, scored points, made tackles, you know, really influenced the proceedings, but it wasn't within the team concept. Yep. And the other players on the team weren't able to express themselves because you know, they were just limited in their opportunity or they were, you know, put into a position where they need to, you know, put all their effort into supporting this individual rather than this individual, all 15 individuals putting their collective effort together. And that's a huge challenge as a coach. And again, it speaks to the consistency of everyone needs to be held to the same standards and even more so, if you are that standout player or that individual who really knows how to make a difference, the real mark is how you can impact the whole team. And I know, um, you know, ESPN was showing the Michael Jordan documentary that got a lot of talk. And, you know, obviously a great champion like Michael Jordan, surrounded by great players, you know, great coach, etc. But the biggest thing that you get out of that that I personally got out of it was the standard was the same for everyone. And he was never going to, you know, even though he was the greatest MJ was never going to look for special treatment. So he didn't have to work as hard or so he wasn't accountable. And so he wasn't leading the way and doing the most possible work to help the team win. And again, it's a huge challenge as a coach because you do, you know, you want to have a friendly relationship with people. And I fall into this trap all the time throughout my coaching career where, you know, you form a special bond with someone right? and they are your friend. And that's, that really spoke to me um, talking about your friend, John and Addie. Um, you know, you are, you know, you really care about this person and you really not only want the team to succeed, but you individually want them to succeed. But again, it takes that even handedness. It takes that consistency. And it takes from a coaching perspective, it takes humility to say, you know, I maybe I wasn't the most consistent, maybe I didn't do the best job. And now I need to make up for it. And, you know, rarely that comes from calling out an individual in front of the group. It would typically come from a, you know, again, we talked about having those one-on-one conversations. That's where the best work gets done. And I'm sure with dogs, the best work gets done one-on-one when you can really focus on that individual. And, you know, you got to take that, eat that humble pie and sit down and say, you know, this is how we need to operate. You know, maybe I didn't make myself clear or I didn't hold you to certain expectations, but you know, let's step back and say, this is the, this is the path we're on. 
this is what we need out of you as a teammate. And that's going to make everyone better. Cool. It, it is one of the biggest, I mean, I'm going to say it's the biggest challenge. Um, yeah. The consistency and holding everyone as a coach, holding everyone accountable while not being heavy handed and not browbeating them and abusing them is not easy. And you're going to have complainers and you're going to have detractors and you're going to have people that don't like that approach. But at the end of the day, 10 years down the line, no one is going to complain if you were consistent and fair and clearly communicated the vision and then proceeded to equally hold people to those expectations and to that standard. Right. And one more point I want to make about the John and Addie analogy that I feel like I wasn't clear on and you touched back on was I think part of the quote unquote issue of the failure and adhering to that standard, right, was that John almost in a leadership role, because she still looks at him as a leader, but almost as a buddy, right? So mm -hmm. there is a fine line between being a leader and a friend and knowing when you have to not sever the tie, but make a clear distinction between I know we're buddies and you're going to sleep on the couch tonight, but out here I'm, a, I'm, I'm holding you to a standard. And, and in college that was hard for me because I was the captain of the team, but I lived with three other rugby players. We hosted all the college parties. We hung out in the gym. We hung out in the, you know, lunchroom, we goofed around, we, you know, busted each other's chops. But at the end of the day, if I told them we had to go run extra laps or they showed up late and had to run extra laps and it's my roommate, well, guess what? Tom Conley, you got to run extra laps. I specifically remember actually Nick Maurer and ZB Palowski having to run extra laps because they were screwing around in practice. But those two dudes are some of my best friends. And you have to look them in the eyes and say, you're setting a bad example for everybody else by doing X. And now you have to go do Y because of it. And everyone needs to watch you do that because that's unacceptable. And so that would be my thought in the dog world analogy with John is his over love and over unconditional love and friendship with Addy it is special. And I don't want that to change for him and her. But there is a line that seemingly has been crossed by Addie where she takes advantage of him. And that is very human, too. If you allow people mm -hmm. to walk all over you as a leader, you're going to get taken advantage of. You You may be the leader, but if they know they can get away with stuff, they're going to. Your employees, your students, your t players, all people are going to walk all over you if there isn't some sort of distinction if you will, between that leader role. Well, and in an ideal world, I'd like to say that people aren't doing it on purpose. Right. You know, nine times out of 10, I don't think people are purposely manipulating, you know, their leader. But, you know, just like Addie's not purposely disobeying John, Addie probably looks to John as the most, as the center of her universe, I'd imagine. So 100%. she's not trying to let him down. Absolutely. You're so right. I wouldn't want to say this in the sense that like, you know, 
these people are trying to hurt you or trying to hurt the team because that's not it. It's that a young person gets wrapped up in the emotion of things and they're excited. They're trying their best. Honest to God, they are. They think they're doing what's right. It's just your job as a leader to say, you know, I know you were trying your best, but we got to remember that there's a lot of dynamics at play. And, you know, we have 14 other teammates on the field. We have people looking up to you. So, if, you know, you're a star player at, you're performing a certain way, but not in the way that our team has decided is what we're going to hold accountable and what we're going to, you know, live up to. Then that sets the precedent that everyone can do that. Right. And you may, even in a case where you may know, well, you know, you mentioned ZB and Nick. Does anyone put more on the line than ZB Pulowski or Nick Maurer? Like who put, you know, who plays harder than those guys? No one. But, you know, and I don't remember the specific circumstance. I may or may not have been there. But, hey, if they weren't living up to the standards, that's just the, you know, that's the game we're playing here. And exactly. they got to atone for it. Exactly. So let's jump into some examples of great leadership through the years um, and why. What makes a strong leader? And so I don't know if you got anybody in the back of your head, but I know I do. And, and, and it'd be fun for me if it were guys that I knew with you, right? Like, Right, and Kevin's laughing. I don't know, his mic's off, but he's laughing. Because it's all about you. Like, just, listen, Clarence, come on our show, but make sure that I know the stories because I like being on the inside jokes. Well, it's just like if you're like, oh, Sally Joe. You think everybody on the listening to the show is going to know who ZB is? You can Google his butt. Okay. He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll come up, the Polish wonder. <laughs> but Well, Go ahead. What I'm thinking is if I do know them, then I can interject and be like and add value and like maybe some humor, hopefully. But like if I don't know them, it'll be like, wow, they really sound like a wonderful person, you know? So it's like if you were to, I would love to hear for me. Um, and I was, Nick was younger than me. Nick Maurer, Bone Saw, was younger than me. And so I was his leader. And I was his, I am one of his good friends and his brother's good friends, in essence, best friends. Um, but I never got to be a player for him. And so I would love to hear your reflection on Nick as a leader or Siler, Nick Siler as a, sure. a leader. Because um, those two guys brought pure athleticism, hard work ethic. And I just want to hear how they handled life in your eyes. And then, you know, there's definitely other people in, in our past that we can quickly reflect on and say, these are mm -hmm. some of their strong points. And then, you know, Hey, Nick, Nick really struggled at, um, disciplining and, and would have loved Like, I don't want you to nitpick them, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if I had nope. to pick one flaw, it'd be that. Or if I had to pick Siler's one flaw, he was too hard on people. You know what I mean? Sure. So having a, I think even beyond having a singular leader, you know, having a singular leader is hugely valuable. Don't get me wrong. Someone that everyone can rally around and look to. And you would fall into that category, you know, the type to give a really impassioned speech, but also go out and perform 
Um, and, but one of the great things, you know, you referenced our friends, Nick Maurer and Nick Styler, and I would add in a third component to that, Sam Giordano, as a leadership group. The One of the more successful time periods when I was a coach, when those three were uh, seniors and fifth-year seniors, we were 23-3 and three under their leadership over a three-semester time period, 23-3, and three, reached a top-10 national ranking at the Division One level. And I think one of the really important aspects of that is the balance that all three of them could bring. Um, you know, Sam was the club president, very compassionate guy, you know, smart, sharp thinker, uh, people you know, person, people person, knew how to really welcome people in. Nick would be Nick Seiler, who is a, you know, you have some upstate New York listeners, I'm guessing a guy out of Fillmore, New York, wrestler, hard nosed type dude. And if anyone ever wrestled or knows wrestlers, this guy's the prototype in that regard no nonsense he would be on the extreme end of nothing is good enough if it's not up to his standards you know get there or die trying yep and that brings a ton of value in and of itself you know the example of that's a guy that you can all at all times point to and say he just did everything he could to accomplish whatever the mission was Mm -hmm. and then you have, I would say, a facilitator and a community builder in Nick Maurer. Someone who can, yes, super tough. Yes, high effort, passion. If you disappoint him, your heart is broken. But he can not only mend fences, but he can, you know, build friendships and create memories just with, his balance of humor, but passion, and uh, he's emphatic, meaning, you know, he can really, he can talk you into throwing your body in front of a train, you know, just because he wants it so badly, and not only that, he's not only going to show you how badly he wants it, he's going to grab your hand and bring you with him. And so when you have that balance, it gives everyone within the organization not only a great group to look up to, but an individual that maybe they can connect with a little better. And I think that's a really important thing when you're talking about group leadership is someone that, you know, yes, you want everyone to be able to look up to each of those guys as an individual, but it's also very important that, that, you know, that oddball or that guy that's not quite figuring out his place yet has someone that he can have a quiet talk with or, you know, share an experience with, and that person's really going to understand him. But then you also have within that group someone who can recognize, oh, this guy, this person is not responding to anything but the Iron Fist. That would <laughs> this be Siler. Needs, yeah, that would be Nick Siler. <laughs> and, you know, that he comes in when, um, you know, when things are a little rocky and people need to be told to shut the heck up and get to work. Right. And so I think that is really important. But then, you know, just talking about that specific team that you were no longer a part of, but played a major role in developing, you had leadership throughout. So I can easily go through and, you know, say, um, you know, we have a guy now who's up in Rochester, Taye Daniel, 
who's a very successful head rugby coach at Nazareth College, if you have any listeners in the Rochester area. And, you know, he's a man who was passionate and refused to lose. And then you would have guys like Alex Broussard or John Garbin or Kevin McCory or Tim Hanna, who are just, you know, another mix of guys all bringing their different styles, but just hard-nosed. And not only did they lead, but they also bought in. And that that takes some humility and that takes some leadership. You know, Alex, I mentioned, is the co-host of my podcast. And I've had some funny conversations with the guy. I asked him, I was debating whether a certain young person um, later on after he played, a certain young person was ready to be the captain. You know, can you make a sophomore a captain? Can you make a junior a captain? And he says, I should have been the captain when I was a freshman. Of course you can make a sophomore the captain. And I'm thinking, (laughs) hey, that's great confidence. But, you know, it takes a certain humility, too, to, you know, believe you you can be at the front, but also you're going to follow and you're going to, you know, when it's time to shut your mouth, you're going to shut your mouth and get the job done. And then within that group, just, you know, continuing on, you know, I'm, and I don't want to exclude anyone because there's so many great guys that I've had and, you know, and women that I've had the opportunity to work with, but, you know, you, you get these wrestler types, uh, Talon Moritz would fall into that category or Hayden Bell or Justin Walker, you know, just like scrappy dudes. And it takes that like uh, tenacity. I'm sure, you know, in the dog world owners, I'm sure just fall in love with that tenacious dog that's going to, you know, go through a, a bramble patch to get that duck or whatever it may be. Yep. And you can't help but love that they will do anything for you. Um, and you know, so there's just so many types of leadership, I guess, is my point. And, you know, you can have that analytical type. I mentioned Kevin McCory. Um, you can have the funny guy, John Garbin, who's in Believe the Hype with us, who, you know, is absolutely hilarious. He can get in front of you and through his humor can you know, bring the best out of people. Right. So there's just so many different ways to do it. The point I'm trying to get to is any leader, the most important thing they can do. And I mean this with all my heart for anyone listening to this in any leadership role, be yourself. And that's the defining feature in all these people we've talked about. And that's the defining feature with you, Bob. And it's something I strive to be as a coach is, you know, when we walk this line, sometimes I got to pull myself back. All right. You know, I'm hilarious. I'm probably almost always the funniest person in the room, but sometimes I got to rein that in and not tell the joke that I want to tell because it's time to be serious. And just because I know a joke could be made, but then we move on. Maybe that freshman hears that joke and says, Oh, coach joking around. It's time to say some really stupid stuff. Right. Um, And they don't mean anything by it. They just, you know, I, showed that a little humor was allowed at that time but then oh not your humor just my humor right you know what i mean right so we need to keep ourselves in check but you gotta you gotta build your strengths it's not only about correcting your flaws but it's about building on your own strengths and if you're a you know if you're a bridge builder be the best bridge builder if you're an ass kicker kick the most ass possible you know whoever you are whatever you're representing yourself as do that to the fullest and the people around you will respond and they'll feel comfortable being themselves. And you end up with a really great, comfortable group of people 
who are feeling at ease in their own skin. And I talked about um, expressing yourself in a rugby sense. Um, and I'm again, this is something that I'm positive relates to dogs. Every dog has their own personality, right? Right. Um, and, you know, you don't want just I know your dogs. You don't want Buck to be Memphis and you don't want Memphis to be Cruz. Right. You know, they're their own individuals and they're all championships. They're all champions, right? In their own sense. Mm-hmm. And they all hold a very special place in your heart. You know, all my players hold a special place in my heart. And the ones that are able to find themselves, it just is so rewarding as a coach to see that person, you know, standing on their own two feet, confident, and nothing brings me more pride. Just for example, seeing you do this. Or, you know, I mentioned Taye, seeing Taye be his own head coach. And yeah, carrying over some of the stuff we talked about, but being his own man. Right. Or, you know, other friends in the coaching ranks mentioned Nick Maurer, you know, our good friend Dan Hager, who's a special ed teacher. He brings being probably one of the most caring and thoughtful people as a special ed teacher to his coaching. Um, Nick Seiler is another teacher giving back. Uh, you know, and I can go on and on, and I don't want to. I don't want to exclude anyone because there's just so many great people you meet through sports. Right. And again, I'm sure there's so many great people you meet through the dog training community. That you know, I think just being helping people find themselves—that's what leadership is. And when we talk about service leadership, that's that's what you're trying to do. It's help people find themselves. So ten years down the line, they can look back and say that you know, when I was on this team. That was a time period in my life where I really felt free. I really felt valued. I really felt loved. And yes, mistakes were made. But at the end of the day, you know, I was surrounded by people that cared about me. And, you know, I was able to fulfill whatever needs, you know, why ever you join the team. Athletic experience, friendships, you know, burn off energy, compete, whatever it may be. You know, we got to, we want, it's our job as leaders to provide that for the people in our charge. There are so many analogies into my world and it, and, and the one thing I always tell people is dogs are dogs. They will eat poop, sniff butts, chew a stick, spit it out, swallow it, what have you. A dog is a dog, but there are so, and we don't want to humanize emotions Dog emotion versus human emotion. But there are so many analogies to how you handle situations in training, in life, in work, in fun with with what we're talking about. I mean, this is the, the leadership transcends all. So military, school, work, fun, home life, it transcends all. And so I want to hit a couple points and then I want to have a little fun with you. But, but things that I want to like, I want to say a couple words and then I want you to say a couple words. Okay. So for me, leadership means integrity, leading humility, humility. Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, I dig it. Yeah. Me than you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I'm going integrity. What do you got? Humility, that was my answer. Okay. Leading from the front. Inspiring people to be their best self. 
trust, vulnerability. Good one. I'm drawing. Go ahead, Kevin. Kevin's drawing, coming in. No, I was just going to say that. I think maybe vulnerability is a word that's never been used on this podcast before. Good point. It's so true, though. If I can pop in, like, the players need to see, too, that you're not infallible as the coach. You make mistakes, and you'll own those mistakes. And you have emotions. And if you're having a bad time, a few semesters ago, I had, like, three individual terrible things going on in my life. And like, you know, I was trying to keep them in and then I just hit a wall and had to share it with the team and it kind of relieved some pressure because the team knew something was up, but, you know, I didn't want to get into details. I'm an adult. I can handle this shit. You know, that's what you're thinking. But getting it off my chest, they knew why sometimes I had to be withdrawn or wasn't always available at the drop of a hat. And, you know, you have to show that you're a real person. I dig it. I dig it. Kev, you got a word you want to throw in? I can be a real person, too. Uh, effective communication. Nice. Oh, mm, Look at that. Challenging. Getting Over. out of your comfort zone. Say expanding your the comfort zone. The essence of life. Believing the hype. <laughs> and now. My, my personal motto. Yeah, now let's segue into Believe the Hype. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I I want to introduce you. The title for our show. Yeah, but it might have to be more because, I don't know. We'll think about it. Kevin, maybe Clarence can weigh in on the name of our episode. But Clarence, can you describe to the top 30 uh, Canadian Wilderness (laughs) Podcast? (laughs) For one a day. day. That was only one day, to be one clear. One day. One day. Uh, what Believe the Hype is? So we are the leading dance troupe in upstate New York. <laughs> Our main responsibility is to attend live music performances and ensure that the band and the uh I guess I would say concert goers or whatever, you know, however you want to put that, the revelers, uh, the other dancers are having the, you know, most fulfilling experience possible. So within that, you know, we, we're all, are we all rugby players? Oh no, CJ's a diver. True. But CJ Maurer, who, you know, you mentioned Nick, CJ himself is an Atlantic 10 champion diver. So he's obviously bringing some experience to the table. Uh, but our job is to attend live concert events, you know, at smaller, you know, venues, establishments. Yeah, exactly. Typically bars, weddings. We really, we really light it up at a wedding. Big wedding crew. And, you know, make sure the other people are feeling like they can have fun. I think one thing that we really learned from is that a lot of people are at something that's supposed to be a good time, but they don't know how to express themselves. And we're all, I think one thing that defines us as a group is absolutely ridiculous. One thing that defines us <laughs> as a so group ridiculous. is we're comfortable in our own skins. Yeah. So we really believe that even if you might be the worst dancer in the world, that you can still go out and hit the dance floor and have a good time. And it really speaks to our personalities because we are, a, you know, a fun-loving, happy-go-lucky crew. Um, 
Bit of an you know, we want to support each other. And I one of you know, all joking aside, it's so much fun to get together with your friends, but then incorporate other people into the good time. Yeah. And I know that sounds a little corny because oh, what are these assholes talking about? But you know, it's so fun when like Jake Donia's will round up like three or four people watching us look like idiots and get them involved in the fun we're having. Yeah, grab the hot and old lady and bring her in. Yes. And I think that we're not exclusive. Like, it's not just us looking like a bunch of clowns, but we get everyone in the venue to participate and have a good time. And, you know, we get, we've had bands cheering, you know, cheering Believe the Hype. And, you know, <laughs> they recognize when we're there. And Absolutely. again, it sounds like we're joking, but it's an absolute blast. And I think, you know, it's at the heart of, since we're all friends and like the common theme is, all of us being a part of, you know, we're all St. Bonaventure University alumni and main, pretty much all friends through playing rugby together or, you know, being involved in rugby together. In my case, I didn't really play with you guys except Dan, but having coached you guys, um, you know, it is a great way for us to, yeah, have fun. Don't get me wrong, but there is something more to it. And there's a reason that we've been kind of keeping it going for so long is because at the heart of it, we're having a great time and we're sharing it with other people. Absolutely. We're not just like out there being jerks. Yes, we're clowns, don't get me wrong, but we are cheering people up and making them feel comfortable. Like, oh, I don't have to just be the guy shuffling on the side. Even if I don't know how to dance, I can get in there and just swing my arms around and clap my hands and have a great time. How, to get serious for a second here, how has yeah. BTH... Uh, adapted to social distancing poorly well i guess technically very well since we haven't done it in so long <laughs> um but we you know i'm positive if we were together we would be just poised for a comeback distancing. i'm poised for a comeback yeah you one of the challenges it. is that you know during this time period you're actually fortunate honestly bob um if i can segue for one moment you still get to be around your dogs and take care you know take care of them um, you know, in my line of work, we had like arguably the best pra team practice I've had with my current crop of team. You know, you, obviously you go through phases, but we had like our best practice ever. And then literally everything was canceled a day later before we had another practice. Um, so bringing that back to believe the hype, like <laughs> I am so excited to get back together with my friends and express ourselves. Yeah. So I couldn't agree more. The fun. And let me add, can I just add a little color for like, people don't even know what we're talking they about. Have no clue. Basically so, yeah. these eight guys get together and there's live music and we dance like a bunch of yahoos swinging our arms around, clapping, spin moves. Do the Mick Jagger. Doing, yeah, big circle setups where we're, like, bringing other people into the circle. You know, we're we're drinking, I think. Yeah, Can I say that I, on air? No, 100%. Um, people if any, if any of my players happen to listen to this, we're not drinking. Um, no, but, oh, all right. You, oh, that's right. You're a big push like guy. Yeah. So, you know, we're having a great time, and we're bringing people into it, and, like, literally the point of it, is to create an interaction between the live band at a small venue 
and the people there to have a good time and make sure people are having a good time. Absolutely. You know, and make sure people feel comfortable, you know, not being a dork on the dance floor, but like, wow, these guys are the biggest dorks out there. So I can be a bad dancer, but it's not even going to come close to what these guys are up to. Absolutely. And if I can um, just tell a little funny connection, we, for my team, I mentioned we do team zoom meetings during the season. We have face-to-face meetings every week. Um, And that's one thing we never got to do when I was coaching you just because I wasn't full time. But um, everyone on the team is responsible for one time throughout the year doing a presentation on something they're passionate about. And I usually, I'm usually the one, like, I don't volunteer first. I just fill in the gaps when there's open dates. And so, like, for example, we had one last semester or last fall around Thanksgiving where, like, some people had already gone home. So, you know, I just jumped in and did a great, uh, I made a roster of a, a rugby sevens team out of Thanksgiving foods. Cool. And this semester, I jumped in and actually did a presentation on Believe the Hype. And it got a lot of, I'll say it got a lot of mixed reviews and some weird looks, but also I was spreading the message of Believe the Hype, and I feel really good that, uh, you know, our brand is getting out there. Not to the extent of Lone Duck, but, you know, on another tier. That's humility. We'd be in the top, we'd be in the top thousand Canadian uh, dance troops. I don't know. I bet that bar in Toronto when we were watching USA vs. Canada, we'll never forget the night well, that Believe the Hype Well, here's the funny thing up. for the listeners. So we did this trip three years in a row up to Canada, this big group of guys who are all rugby players. That's why we were going. But then bringing in some siblings, so like C.J. Maurer, who we mentioned, A.J. Giordano. I mentioned Sam earlier. Um, and so didn't get the invite. Bar- <laughs> yeah, Kevin didn't get what the invite. I didn't get the invite. <laughs> Kevin wasn't there yet. No. Um so we go to this bar in Toronto, like we were out camping. I don't really know where we are, were. I'm sure your, all your Canadian listeners um, would be familiar with the place. We were out like on a campsite. <laughs> you cross this big bridge out in the, in the, you know, in the, in a rural area. And there's just this lone bar sitting there. And so we go to that. This is 2011. You know, we've been at a rugby game all day. We're camping, having a great time, you know, just like absolutely going crazy at this bar. We come back two years later, 2013, on the same weekend, and the same band is playing there. And these guys got, I mean, I've talked about this. We're like, what were these guys thinking that (laughs) these guys are here again? Who are these people? And I'm positive. Like, there's no way they don't remember it. Absolutely. Just because the scene that was made, there's no way that wasn't, like, very memorable for anyone involved. I mean, you know, these guys are ripping their shirts off. Just complete. <laughs> I think I like to think that somewhere they're on a podcast talking about it. Just so sharing. If any of the Canadian listeners out there, the name of the band was World Tour. So maybe do, you, do your listeners ever send you messages about? Yeah. yeah. If yeah. any Canadian listeners are out there and know of the band in the Toronto area, World Tour. That's what we're talking about, and that's going to give you a good uh, good idea of what was going on. Yeah, it is one of our favorite things to see how long it takes for someone to make us put our shirts back on at a bar. <laughs> but again, it's one of those things where 
our goofiness invites others to get out of their comfort zone and hit the dance floor and have the best night of their lives with yeah. their friends, significant others, bachelorette, bachelor parties. Like we bring the hype. Well, and I said it about coaching, but like, I really believe in this and I'm going to say it again, you know, and dancing. Okay. We can joke about that coaching, you know, more serious dog training, whatever you do professionally, be yourself. And more. good things follow, you know, you can, um, you know, a little deeper of a saying that I like is it's not what, you know, it's not finding what you want to do. It's doing what you find, you know, doing what helps you find yourself. And I know that's a little heavier than, you know, joking around about dancing or whatever, but like finding what you really enjoy and, you know, just like whatever you find yourself doing is at the heart of life. And in your case, you just wanted to be trained in dogs, right? Yep. That's where you really were your, that's where you were yourself. Is that correct? Yeah. Like you are the most Bob Owen when you're in a field working those dogs. Or on and the like dance floor, me, but, but or yeah. on the dance floor. And for me, I'm the most myself when I have a rugby team trying to work through, you know, understanding some concepts, like that's where I'm thriving. And then like we carry that though, you know, again, joking aside, we carry that to the dance, dance floor and express ourselves and have just a great time. Right. And, you know, if, if someone sees that and they think we're a bunch of jerks, so be it. But I would hope that some young person out there saw us dancing and said, Hey, if these guys act like this, I'm going to dance like this too. Absolutely. Man, that was really good. Now, Clarence, I'm going to ask you this question because shame on me for not remembering. Do you remember when you asked me to come and hang out with the girls team and bring the dogs and it was the end of their preseason and the dogs were supposed to be like the fun part of the night or practice where like we just, kicked a bunch of rugby balls around dogs chased them girls had fun but you asked me to you asked me to to talk to the girls and i provided a quote and it's i'm drawing a blank i know do you remember you don't even remember your own quote i very you know i very vividly remember the experience and we did have a great time having the dogs run around i know the girls loved it and you know for me it felt good kind of bridging the generations of my coaching career you being on, you know, we didn't get too much into the details, but like for any Bonaventure guys listening or anyone that's not like super familiar with the rugby team's history, like me, Bob, Charlie Speck essentially mapped out the initial vision of the program to not to say get us where it is today, but like get us on a pretty long way. And so for me, it was super rewarding having a guy that was on the front end of my coaching career who I really became a coach as you watched. Like that first practice I showed up, I didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, then carrying that over to now, see, you know, you are a coach and seeing that 10 years later and seeing how you can work with people and identify a problem, diagnose it, try to come up with a solution, whether it's through your own personal inspiration or through example, you know, effort, fun, whatever it may be. 
Um, and you said something earlier on about, you know, looking yourself in the mirror. And I, I came across it, you know, within the last couple of years, you wrote a great speech that I don't think ever got given about the man in the mirror. Um, it in and fact I think, was given at Kevin's wedding where I gave the best man speech and I cried like oh, a perfect. little, little baby, but go on. Um, so just talking about that, like at the end of the day, the person you got to make happy and the person you got to live up to is the man in the mirror. And that, that kind of connects to being yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're faking it, you're never going to look in the mirror at the end of the day and be satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody who wants to read that. Uh, poem it's called the man in the glass just google it the man in the glass um my grandpa casey shared it with us all and uh and i it's pretty special to all of us in our family and it was my best man speech to kevin and his wife at their wedding um but it is about integrity and looking yourself in the mirror and, and everyone can pat you on the back and say what a wonderful guy you are or girl but if you can't look yourself in the eye and know that you've done your best, then and then you know all those pats on the back aren't worth much. Um, and I think something to the effect that I spoke to the girls about was similar to that. Was you can do the best you can, but if you're not bringing up those around you, then kind of what's the point? Mm-hmm. And, and so leadership is about bringing the most out of others and in turn bringing the most out of you. And if we relate that back to dogs, whether it's the best dog you've ever owned or the worst dog on the truck, you it is our job, responsibility, challenge to make them the best they can be. Make it fun because this is why we do it. We play rugby because it's fun. We train dogs because it's fun. We hunt because it's fun. We run hunt tests because it's fun. And if we're not having fun and the dogs aren't having fun, why are we doing it? So remember that. But it is our job to still adhere a standard, meet the standard, exceed the standard, bring people and the dogs up and and challenge them and and man you know i clarence i want we'll wrap this up but give us some last thoughts wisdoms touches whatever you want to shout out you know to to finish our talk about leadership believing the hype go for it um just you know we've touched on a lot of this already so i don't want to beat a dead horse so to speak but you know i said to be yourself be humble you know none of us are better than anyone else you may have more experience or you may be in a certain role but you got to be you know if you're going to be a leader you got to be willing to eat crow you know eat humble pie and say hey i messed up i'm going to do better you know i'm going to do my best and then one thing i do want to add is not take any of it personally you know, whether it's a dog that is giving you attitude or an athlete or an employee or your own boss, you know, we all have our own pressures on ourselves. We can't really know what someone else is thinking. We can't know the pressure they're under. So don't take it personally. Just do your best. 
see yourself. And, you know, what more can you ask? You can look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and just move forward. Couldn't agree more. All right, Clarence. Tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram. Both, I would I would err on the side of maybe your personal page. Sure. SBU Women's Rugby. Uh, yeah. And, and your uh, podcast. I'm pretty active on, pretty active on Twitter, at Clarence Picard. Um, Instagram, at Clarence Picard. My rugby teams are at SBU Women's Rugby. And then we just got this podcast going. We launched on Monday, but we do have some content built up. So we're going to have some episodes coming out a bunch over the next few weeks. At Backyard underscore Rugby or um, on Spotify, Backyard Rugby with Clarence and Alex. And we cover leadership. We cover vision. We cover program building. We get into some rugby-specific stuff. We also have some pretty cool interviews, and we definitely want to have you on in the future, Bob. But um, we're just getting out there now. So anyone with a rugby background, a sporting background, or just you know interested in a couple, hearing some more guys joke around, uh, give us a follow, give us a listen, and we're hoping to put out some more content and really appreciate this opportunity. I can't tell you how much fun I had. It, it was, when's the last time you and I and Kevin, well, Kevin never, but me and you have sat down for an hour and 43 minutes and 12, 13, 14, wow. 15 seconds and talked. Um, Good stuff. It means a lot to me. It flew by. I know by. all our listeners are going to enjoy it and relate to the dog world, but also I really, 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 really hope that we've influenced someone to be a better father, mother, coach, boss, dog trainer on this episode because everything that you shared with us, I, I'm going to take uh, tomorrow into the field with the dogs and, and just keep – Keep it in my back pocket, man. Um, I love you to death. I enjoyed every minute of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. Backyard Rugby Podcast. Everybody, please check it out. Clarence Picard, Old Man Winter was his nickname in rugby. And uh, that's a story for another podcast. So everybody, tune in, subscribe. Thank you for following. Check out LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Support the gear, support the podcast, support the show. Thank you, guys. Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it, enjoy it. We did it for you and you're helping us produce this show. So thank you so much to that community. Get in, get out, let's roll. Patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters.
Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.